cow a cubs podcast i'm your host sean holland and we are going to have an interview today with the great gunther dubinsky his real name is mike banghart but you know him as gunther dubinsky on the twitter and he is a writer for cubs den i was born and raised in billings montana so someone from montana a cubs fan how'd that happen well it started with my great-grandfather he moved to Chicago in 1926, I believe. I might be wrong on the exact date, but that sounds about right. And my grandfather was just a little kid. And my great-grandfather would take him to Cubs games. And he really enjoyed the Cubs games. and became, became a big Cubs fan. Of course, then the family moves back to Montana. And my grandfather has my dad. Makes him a huge Cubs fan. Uh, basically, our whole family becomes huge Cubs fans. And then my dad has me, and I become a Cubs fan. And I've been a Cubs fan ever since I can remember. Actually, I was baptized in a Cubs jersey. I don't know if that's great parenting, but it happened. Anyway, uh, about two or three years ago, I started posting a lot on Cubs Den. A lot of people know Cubs Den. Good blog. And the person who runs Cubs Den, John Arguello, great guy. And he's doing dealing with some health issues right now, but I know he's going to get through it. Anyway, John needed someone to help him write a couple recaps when no one was available, and I offered to do it. And amazingly, he let me do it. So I started to write for Cubs Den. Then there is an opening at Cubs Insider, Evan Altman, another great guy, and I applied and I write recaps and articles for them. So here I am. I decided that I would start a podcast. Why, I'm not sure, but hey, I like talking about the Cubs and I think people want to hear it. So Holy Cow basically will be me interviewing other writers and people from Cubs Twitter. Now, I don't know if you know what Cubs Twitter is, but if you're listening to this, you probably do. But for those who don't, it's all the writers from the blogs and other associated things that talk about the Cubs. So anyway, enough of my babbling about stuff. Shall we get to the interview with Mr. Mike Banghart, better known as Dubinsky? Should I call you Mike or, or Dubinsky? Yeah, Mike works fine. Okay. We'll go with Mike. All right, Mike. Uh, I guess I'm with, welcome to the first ever edition of Holy Cow, the Cubs podcast. I don't know if it's a good name, but I'm going with it. Uh, anyway, uh, all right. <laughs> let's start with basically what everyone's talking about. What do you think is wrong with the Cubs this year? Oh, you know, that's, that is the million dollar question right now. Um, it, it's really remarkable. It, um, you know, there are some injury issues popping up now, of course. I mean, we've, we've seen Kyle Hendricks first joining him. 
But really, for the most part, it, it really wasn't help, which, you know, seemed to be the big, big concern. You know, that was the, the one way everyone agreed that this thing could go wrong. But what seems to have happened instead is that, um, you know, just about everyone on the roster isn't performing the way you expected. Um, you know, Chris Bryant, uh, even, you know, is probably at expectation levels. I mean, yeah. last year he's basically just been slightly worse this year. Yeah, it's, it's kind um, of funny that you brought that up, too, and then I was thinking about it the other day, and it's like, now, not, now he's kind of slumping, that he hasn't played like two of the right, last three right. games, so. Right, right, which is basically right around the time when, when Rizzo finally started to hit. I mean, Rizzo hadn't been having a bad year, but had been well off, you know, his normal pace yeah, exactly. prior to this, this, you know, recent hot stretch, you know, um, sandwiched around it. Well, uh, you know, starting just before the, the lead off experiment, yes. but I mean, really apart from those guys, uh, everyone's been. And, you know, the things that carried this team a year ago, um, specifically the starting pitching, um, it is not there this year. Um, it just a combination of things. John Lackey at times looked done, yeah. but about ready to give up on him. He, uh, he goes out and has an outing like he did, uh, last night. Um, you know, um, you know, Jake Arietta is, uh, 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 one of my Jake pitched last night, didn't he? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, what? Yeah, no, it was two nights ago. Uh, yes. I guess Lackey um, had no. It start. was Lackey pitched. Yeah, Sunday afternoon, Lackey pitched. So yeah, yeah, yeah pitched well, Saturday. Had, you know, looked really good. Yeah, for four innings, looked like you know the guy that we expected, and then in that fifth inning, just completely loses it for some yeah, reason. You it, know, what, health. What was his excuse? That he had sweaty hands. They had a, they yeah, had I think it. that one. That's a little. Yeah, sweaty hands. I think was the thing, and that's a a little concerning as opposed to uh, you know the cut there, which you know seems like something. Yeah. that's explainable. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it seemed to come out of nowhere. I mean, we hadn't heard anything about it until right before it started on Saturday, and then so I was thinking maybe that is a reason that we haven't heard. Maybe there is a health reason, but. Yeah. Perhaps, but uh, yeah, no, I mean, so it really is. I mean, um, you know, through, you know, 2015, 2016, it really did seem like the Cubs were, were getting guys, you know, performing well beyond, mm-hmm. you know, their expectations, you know, at least, or, or, you know, getting to the, you know, sort of their peak production levels, yeah. you know, very quickly. Best case, and, best case uh, scenario, basically. Right. It, it's, Right, I mean, like Chris Bryant came up and was everything you expected from pretty much day one, um, and that that normally doesn't happen. And it's mm-hmm. I keep going back to that line that Theo has um, about you know baseball progress isn't linear, yes. and the 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 way we talked about it initially, you know, when we were heading into 2015, is that you might see this sudden growth, this sudden jump, mm-hmm. which is what we did, what, what we did see, and it, it was great. Unfortunately, that also means that sometimes guys take steps back, and the craziest thing seems to be like everyone, except maybe you know Chris exactly. Bryant and Rizzo, as we've been saying, have taken that step back. Yeah, it's 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 amazing that like like this is the time they're all going backwards. You know what I mean? 
And it's like Yeah. It's like it's one of those things like you knew that there'd be there'd be growing pains and stuff, but then there weren't. So then everyone was like coming into this year it was like, Oh, we're good. I mean Schwarber's gonna have a full right. year, Russell's gonna break out, it's all gonna happen and it's not. You know, and yeah, I mean I think you know, heading into Heading into 2016, uh, you know, I was, you know, uh, trying to be very cautious in my optimism. And so I really undersold the, the number of wins that I thought they would get. Yes. Uh, and then this year I, I went the other way and I embraced, you know, sort of the meatball fan and, uh, uh, you know, really thought that, hey, you know, we're looking at another, you know, high 90, yeah. 100 win team easily. And now it's a, a team that's going to struggle to win 90. But I guess if you think about it, there have been teams before, like 2003, 2007, that went on pretty long runs, win totals, in the, win totals in the 80s. So, you know, you never know. Just get in. But Right. I mean, I mean, then that was the, the frustration last year was that, well, you know, the team was, was so good. It was clearly the best team. But, uh, you know, anything could happen in the postseason and just about did uh, yeah. until, you know, the the unbelievable comeback, the uh, from down three ones. Uh, you know, it is true. I mean, we've seen teams in this division um, squeak in, um, you know, with a very low win total in a down year, and go on and win the whole thing. So I guess we'll see. But well, we'll move on to. We kind of talked about it already, but the whole Rizzo leadoff man extravaganza that we've got going on right now. Which I'm with you. I don't think it's. Yeah, no, I don't it, think it's, it's because fun. where he's it, hitting. It's, uh, it's something different. Um, it's it's not what you expect. But I, I'm fairly firmly in the camp of you know the the lineup order doesn't really matter yes. that much over the course of the season. Um, the thing with you know batting Rizzo you know lead off right now is it's just so hot. Um, you know that. You, you just want to maximize the times that he comes to the plate. Um, and so I'm just generally okay with the philosophy of, of getting the best hitters on the team the most at-bats over the course of a year. So yeah, the classic, it, uh, classic sabermetric idea that you get your best hitters at the top of the order and they hit more often than if you hit them at the bottom of the order. Right. Well, I mean, that, that, that's the argument for, for having a hitter like Ryan hit, you know, two is that, know uh, i think it was the tom tango's work which suggested that um the number two hitter comes uh, up to the plate with runners on more often than the three and the four hitter yeah. uh no, the three hitter because uh, the the two big rbi uh, bats were supposed to be your two and your four mm-hmm. i think according to the book oh, okay then this is just sort of a more extreme form of that yeah but i guess i guess like Madden did this with Evan Longoria too. He would hit him lead off when the Devil Rays were or Rays or whatever you call them were hitting badly. He would put Longoria in the leadoff spot to spark the team. So right. he's going back to the well, I guess. Yeah, no, yeah, um, it's a little bit, a little bit different since uh, I think in that example, as you said, you know, it was when you know Longoria was struggling, and in this case, you know, Rizzo really was was tearing the ball off the cover, yeah. uh, tearing the cover off the ball there pretty well prior to, to being in the leadoff spot. Um, but it does seem to have sparked the team as, uh, as Rizzo continues to, to lead off every game, uh, reaching base. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, I guess we'll move on now that 
there was a rumor, speaking of the race, bouncing around about that. I guess it was Jeff Passan wrote about that there was there were talks at some point in the off season between the Cubs and the Rays for Chris Archer, and apparently the Rays asked for Eloy Jimenez, and of course the Cubs said no. But now this is everyone on Twitter's all over this today, so just that get your thinking. Well, I mean, uh, you know, we've been waiting for the Cubs to make that kind of move, well, for you know, three or four years now. Um, you know, at some point, they're not going to be able to just buy uh, starting pitching. Um, you know, the core is going to get expensive. And so they're going to have to find ways to to supplement that, as opposed to you know mainly going the free agent route um, as they've been doing, um, you know, with adding Lester and Lackey, and then their various reclamation projects that they've uh, gone out and gotten. Um, you know, the the fit is there. I mean, Archer has thrown. Uh, a lot of innings. Um, he had a little bit of struggles last year. I mean, and the, the surface results are are a little bit elevated for what you'd like, but um, he's a very good pitcher. Uh, you think a move to the NL would help him, yeah. but it is going to cost a lot, and it's going to cost uh, it's going to cost players you don't want to give up, and that probably starts with Eloy at this point, and you know it's probably going to be some other. Uh, big names, you know. You, it, you, I hate trying to play uh, fantasy, you know, GM because there's just so much we know about how these guys rate these guys. But you got to figure that at least, you know, some of these high upside, you know, risk arms are going to be be thrown in there. Whether that means uh, a Dylan Zeese, uh, you know, an Oscar De La Cruz, you know. But you know, there's going to be some arms going back to to the Rays to gamble on along with. You know that impact bad. Yeah, you think like you know, so it's it's going to cost a, a a lot in terms of the prospect capital that you have left. And you know, right now we kind of are seeing a, a bit of a gap in the wave right there, um, where you know the Cubs, you know, they really don't have much that they can they can call up on. They've got some guys who can maybe be role players like a, a Carantini or. You know, maybe a Chesney Young yeah. in, in Iowa, but the, but there's there's not really that next Ian Happ. You know, no, the, Wilson yeah, Contreras the depth is kind of Bryant. the depth is kind of worn down a little bit this, at this point. Like, I mean, you think like him, well, Jimenez and Happ, but I'm trying to think of what other like impact bats even there are, at, even that are close. And there there there's not. I mean, it, it's not that they don't lack depth. There's a lot of. There's a lot of the, uh, the the brick and mortar guys, the guys like you know Caratini or and Chesney Young, where you know they they might be, you know they've got a decent chance at you know providing you uh, real value to a big league club, yeah. um, but they're not guys that are that are going to excite another team that are just going to anchor you know a type of trade those at those elite level prospects exactly, you know that they're. They're they're running a little bit short here, and there's there is going to be that bit of a bit of a gap because you know you lost all your your top draft picks last year. Exactly. Um, you know you you went big on uh, international prospects, you know, last year. So now you uh, you know you can't overspend for the next two years. It's going to be a while before they uh, they redevelop uh, that that depth. Yeah, and at some point, so we'll have to 
we'll have to trade for that that arm, that cost-controlled arm. It was, I mean, we've been talking about it on Cubs Den and stuff for, geez, like four or five years. That they're going to have to eventually get that cost-controlled arm. So right, and and so the thought is perhaps maybe you're dealing someone from the big league roster, but that's kind of the the, the dual-edged sword here yeah. of everyone taking a step back. Is that you know. You know, every you know, a lot of guys' stock maybe aren't quite quite you know. Before. You know, you don't think you know GMs react that quickly that they're willing to you know completely give up on guys. But uh, you know, yeah, then, then uh, you know, the, yeah, and then it's the question of two like, well, we trade Bias and then Bias becomes a superstar. You trade Russell and then Russell becomes a superstar. You trade Schwarber, he gets fifty home runs. It's like all these guys could be great yeah. or they could be disasters. You don't know. Right. Right. And so that's why you're going to have to give up, you know, not just that guy in order to get, you know, a Chris Archer. And, you know, the the way it breaks down, I mean, that the, the Rays might not even want, you know, one of those players. Mm-hmm. They might want the 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 full six plus years. Um from a guy like Jimenez, um, you know, gambling that, you know, he's going to be, you know, the real deal. Exactly. And the funny thing is, like, today, we even got that with the, everyone was talking about, you know, trading Torres for Chapman. And then we hear today that Torres needs Tommy John surgery and won't be back until 2018. So it's like, even that one, everyone thought the Yankees came, came away great, but... Then an injury pops up, and it's like you never know with this stuff. Yeah, no, I mean, you're right. I mean, and that that's kind of that's always been the the deal. Um, you know, more often than not, the the teams that um, you know get the established big leaguers, they they normally come out ahead. Mm-hmm. You know, more often than not on these deals. I mean, especially when you're dealing with you know premium talent. Um, you know, you can point to you know a number of deals where where it sort of backfires or at least in the long run, you know, one side gets way more, mm-hmm. you know, everyone wants to talk about Jeff Bagwell, but you know, those, those types of deals are, are few and far between. And I think, uh, you know, John over at Cubs Den did a really nice breakdown about why the Cubs might've felt comfortable moving Torres. Mm-hmm. um, you know, again, questions about his position, um, have been there for quite a while. Um, if he's not a, a shortstop, um, you know, the bat might not play quite as well. So, mm-hmm. um, but they gave up a, they gave up a quality prospect they did. and, you know, luck, you know, you don't want to call it luck when a, a guy goes down for Tommy John surgery, but it certainly, um, makes the deal look better for the Cubs yeah. that the Yankees are going to have to wait, you know, uh, you know, six months to a year. Yeah, but I'm sure before Torres. Yeah, I'm sure uh, Theo and Jed would say. Back. Yeah, but I'm sure Theo and Jed would say that they they don't they knew they they don't care about getting like a reprieve from the press or whatever. They were going to make the move they wanted to make anyway, so they 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 don't care about the heat. Well, and I mean, then there's I mean the the Cubs because of how it went down. I mean, they've got you know the the, the trade worked fine for them. Mm-hmm. They they've got the. They've got their flag, and yeah, like, I've been told that those fly forever. Yes, yes. So. Yeah, news alert. We did win the World Series. I guess we shouldn't say we. The Cubs won the World Series last year. Right. So, I mean, I think, I think we'll take that. Right. I mean, and so, 
Uh, and, you know, and Chapman was an integral part to that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you needed an arm with that level of, of impact. We can argue about whether, you know, Chapman was the, the right guy to invest in, but yeah. they needed that level of, of, of impact. Exactly. Um, and, you know, it was going to cost a guy like Torres or more mm-hmm. to get that type of player. Yeah, and yeah, and that's just the risk, I guess. Um, all right, now we'll move on. Um, I guess, oh, this is going to be my favorite part of the interview because I, you told me that you've never been asked about the great Mark Bellhorn before in a podcast. And I know, well, I, I, I was going to say, like, I know he, you're quite a fan of Mr. Bellhorn, so I thought I'd let you give your pro Bellhorn speech on here. All right. Well, I guess uh, I've said for a while that I've I've meant to write my the uh, the the love affair for for Mark Bellhorn that that I have, uh, and I just never have uh, along with you know uh, a thousand other things that I've, I've meant to write. But uh, to get to get to the point, I guess you know Mark Bellhorn uh, for me. Uh, I guess it is this sort of personal connection to my story of, of being uh, a Cubs fan. Uh, you know, I, I grew up uh, during, you know, the late 80s through the 90s. You know, my, my first baseball experiences were, you know, sort of Andre Dawson, you know, Ryan Sandberg, Mark Grace, you know, late 80s teams. But I really wasn't a, a hardcore baseball fan through most of the 90s. Um, I watched really a lot of, of terrible Bears football during that time. Um, so, yes. Uh, but, uh, you know, like a lot of people, the, the home run chase in 98 kind of got me back into baseball. Mm-hmm. And they had the terrible year in 99 oh, and, and 2000 really wasn't much better. And then, you know, 2001 came and, you know, they had that sort of surprise, unbelievable run. Yeah. Um, you know, we're, we're leading the division for a lot of the years. And actually that was probably my, you know, my favorite Cubs team, uh, for a very long time. Yeah. Uh, probably up until the, the 2015 version yeah. came along. Um, but, uh, you know, that really marks the point where I became really a, a baseball first fan. And then, you know, really followed very closely things like the draft and the farm system yeah. um, and from spring training all the way through the end of the year. Mm-hmm. And 2002 came and the Cubs as a whole were really bad. Yes. Um, you know, it was the, the story that I'd seen repeated, you know, after, you know, 89, mm-hmm. they, you know, failed to make the playoffs in 90, you know, 98 and 99 and so on. Um, but I, I stuck with it and... Um, you know, Mark Bellhorn just was a different type of player. Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time, I was learning about things, you know, it was, you know, Moneyball came out, the book came out at that point in time. Um, you know, people were talking about, you know, sort of safer metrics and on-base percentage. And, you know, the Cubs as a whole uh, hated those ideas. Yes, they did. did very little. Um, they, they, you know, it was constantly, you know, um, 10 pitch or less innings. Uh, for the opposing pitcher when they weren't hitting because no one would, would take any pitches. And then there was Mark Bell, yes. who was you know, sort of that, that sabermetric dream of three true outcomes, you know, where he'd hit a strikeout, you know, walk and hit a home yeah, run was, pretty much uh, basically, every game. Yeah, he was basically a um, Theo guy before Theo was there. Indeed, and then that's actually... 
kind of the funny thing, of course, as you and everyone probably knows, you know, he does eventually end up with Theo uh, a couple years later yeah. with the Red Sox and is beloved in, in the Boston area for his part in breaking the curse and there. I believe he owns, but, uh, I believe he owns like 15 Dunkin' Donuts or something crazy. Like he owns a lot right. of Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah. He, Right, he he's a a donut uh, Dunkin' Donut you know franchise mogul in the, the Boston area from from what I've heard, um, and so it's nice to hear that he's he's doing well. Um, you don't hear any sort of crazy stories about him, but but yeah, I will will always remember that that 2002 27 home runs mm-hmm. to set the single season switch hitting home run leader and as you remind me uh on twitter every so often you know he's the uh the only national league player to hit a home run from both sides of the plate yes. um so he you know a few uh ways in which you know he he lives on in the memory of baseball there yeah well that's a, I, I i have a similar thing with rick wilkins because that's when i really like I really got into the Cubs, especially like I, my, you know, my dad got me to watch them all the time. But the year I really got right. interested was like ninety two, ninety three, and boy, were those some bad teams. But Rick Wilkins, yeah. catcher, had one year where he hit thirty home runs. I think it was ninety three, right? And that was I was all it's about 90. all about Mark, all about Rick Wilkins. And I mean, like a year ago, so, oh, yeah, a year ago, somebody on Twitter was like, he was totally on steroids, and I got angry. I was like. How dare you say he was on steroids? Maybe he was, but that doesn't matter. <laughs> no, uh, who, who knows? I mean, um, you know, you know, Alex Sanchez, a uh, little uh, speedy center fielder for the Detroit Tigers, got, got busted for performance-enhancing uh, drugs as well. Uh, he was one of the early casualties of the, the new drug uh, enforcement policies yeah. in the mid 2000s and yeah. he's a guy with maybe three career home runs or something and, you and know? don't forget D Gordon recently popped too oh yeah yeah exactly so it's not exactly uh, always necessarily the, the guys you expect but yeah you know, Rick Wilkins really does have one of those all time unbelievable seasons out of nowhere here I'm, I'm looking at it you know played a 136 games, had 500 plate appearances, 30 home runs, as you said, and slashed 303, uh, 376 on base percentage, and a 561 slugging yeah, percentage. Yeah, crazy numbers. Which, uh, even in the a little bit more offensive friendly, you know, 90s there, was good for a 144 uh, weighted runs collected yeah. plus. So, you know, well above <laughs> league average and out of a catcher spot is yeah, and then you see, pretty unbelievable. Then you look at the rest of his career and it's like, Absolutely nothing. So, right, yeah. Uh, the the next year it, it drops down to you know he hit two twenty seven, uh, you know three seventeen on base percentage, three eighty seven slug yeah. uh, with seven home runs over, you know a hundred games. So and just completely fell off the, the face of the planet at that point. Yeah, but no, that's it's kind of funny the players that you jump onto like like when you're young and stuff that you don't think like like why would you this player is not yeah. good or anything but it's like. Well, I mean, Bellhorn is better than Wilkins, though. Well, no, I mean, it's, uh, you know, they, they both have had uh, a, a memorable season, um, you know, again, uh, with, I think, uh, you know, offensively speaking, Wilkins' year is, is a little bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and you know playing catcher i mean that that's got to add some points there as well yes but uh but yeah no at, at least i guess uh you know bellhorn probably has a, a better two years put together that than wilkins does yes. at any point but no it is it is i think uh oftentimes the these types of players are are often more about the, the personal stories here yeah uh, than, than necessarily anything that uh, these guys did or didn't do and of course then Bellhorn was replaced by Todd Walker but that could be a whole different podcast well you know he was it was the it was, first it was Mark Rudzelonic mainly mm-hmm. at, at second base um, you know and then they hit, then you had sort of a Walker and I think and wasn't there an overlap year with with Grezelonic and Walker. I think there was. I can't remember. I, I can't. Did Grezelonic play? I thought there was a year where they... Yeah, did he play in 04 for the Cubs? Yeah, I want to say he did. I want to say that they, they actually brought him back. Uh, I'm going to look that up because that's going to bug yeah. me. Um, but... Because, uh, no, the, when they made the trade, because that was the whole deal, is is that the, the cash... The overall catch between the two, the three deals, uh, Mark Rudzelonic, Eric Karos, and Todd Hundley, mm-hmm. the overall cash was uh, exactly the same. But the deal was that uh, uh, Grudzelonic and Karos were on one-year deals, and Todd Hundley was on a two-year oh, okay. deal. And I'm looking at it here. And they did re-sign him, yeah. So he did come back uh, and, you know, play in... Uh, 04 on the Cubs and you know, like everyone else hit worse yeah. uh, a little bit uh, not a ton uh, and then of course went on to St. Louis and finished his career with the Royals okay. so yeah there was an overlap year between uh, Grudzelonic and Walker. Talk about an unlikable team geez the 04 team good no yeah I mean as much as people want to make that comparison here I mean it's uh it's still a fun team, even if this is frustrating to watch them underachieve at such a, a historic level. Yeah, exactly. All right, well, I think I might have used up all my questions. We looked up Mark Rezolonik's yeah. end of the career with the Cubs, so I think... Yeah, no, that, that's, uh, I think that's a good way to end uh, your, your first episode there, right? Yep. Mark Rezolonik's trivia. That's right. There's not enough of that in the market, I don't think. Yeah, that, that, so. that's when you—that's what you come to this show for in the future, people. This is what you're going to come for, Mark Ruzalonic. So, exactly. Yeah. So anyway, uh, uh, <laughs> thank you for coming on, Mike. Well, thank you. Uh, well, that's it for this week's edition of Holy Cow. I'm going to try to do one of these every week, if I can, and I'm going to put this up on Twitter and Facebook, and I have a website. And I hope you will listen, and if you like it, tell your friends. Thanks.